Three. Hold them up. Three. That is the magic number for the Orioles to clinch the AL East after splitting the series with the Guardians this weekend and getting a little help from the Blue Jays against the Rays. We'll break it all down and recap the Orioles' wins coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, September 25th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles' huge four-game split with the Cleveland Guardians this weekend. Yes, the O's didn't play their best baseball, but they got two wins, they got some help from the Jays, and the magic number is now at three. I'm going to recap the big win on Saturday that ended the little Orioles three-game losing streak. Get you the five things you need to know from that one, including John Means flirting with a no-hitter once again. Then I'll recap the huge W on Sunday with Kyle Gibson going strong and the Orioles' offense coming up a little bit bigger. And then finally, we'll talk about what's next as the Rays trying to chase down the O's, but talk about when the O's could clinch this division and what they have coming up next this week. That is all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. So we'll start this one with really fast forwarding to Saturday. Because, yes, the Orioles did play a four-game series against the Cleveland Guardians. On Friday's episode, recapped the tough, tough loss that happened Thursday night with the Orioles falling 5-2. to two. Then they lost an even tougher one. On Friday, the bullpen was giving up runs. The Orioles offense was matching them. And then they get the huge hit. The Aaron Hicks two-run hit in the top of the ninth inning off Emmanuel Classe gives the Orioles an 8-7 lead. You're thinking, all right, they can't blow this one. They got some more Orioles magic. And then they did blow it. And Yenier Cano just didn't have it, gives up the leadoff double, the intentional walk. And then David Fry, of all people, the two-run walk-off double for the Guardians. All of a sudden, the O's have lost the first two games of the series, and the lead is still sitting at a game and a half in the division. And you're starting to get worried. But the O's came back out there Saturday and got themselves a 2-1 to victory and then continued it with a 5-1 to win on Sunday. So all in all, before we jump into Saturday's win to start, here's where the O's sit briefly here. With the 2-2 two and two weekend and with the Blue Jays, thank you to the Blue Jays, taking two out of three at the Trop against the Rays, and to be honest, the Jays could have taken all three. They had a 6-5 lead in the ninth inning with their all-star closer, Jordan Romano, in on Saturday. And somehow he gave up two runs to allow the Rays to walk off that one. But otherwise, Toronto gets two out of three. So the Orioles, 97-59 and now with six games remaining. They have a two-and-a-half game lead in the AL East. And the magic number is three. That is the number of Orioles losses combined, or Orioles wins, I should say, combined with Rays losses that the O's need to win the American League East. So let's start with Saturday. A 2-1 to victory for the O's 
in that one to take game three of the series after dropping the first two. I'm going to get you the five things you need to know. And the first thing you need to know is John Means was incredible and didn't throw a no-hitter, but certainly flirted with one on Saturday night. I mean, in just his third start back from Tommy John surgery, you know, his first two starts, five okay innings against the Cardinals, five really solid innings against the Astros. Those were the first two starts. No one, I think, expected him to go seven and a third innings of one run ball and go six and two thirds innings of no hit ball in Cleveland on Saturday. And had gotten a text from friend of the show, Matthew Ritchie, who writes for MLB.com on Friday after the Orioles just really, really crushing walk-off loss. And it just said, the Orioles need a no-hitter from John Means tomorrow. That is the only way. And they didn't get the full no-hitter, but they got somewhat close to it. And that's where this is so important because if we can remember just back to Friday night, just back to Saturday, the Orioles' bullpen was completely, completely depleted. They had used essentially everybody... Every single day. And then they used a lot of relievers Thursday. And guess what? In the 9-8 loss Friday, they had to use a lot of relievers because Dean Kramer only lasted three and a third innings in that game. When they needed a long start, they didn't get it. Bullpen tried their best to keep them in it, but just couldn't hold on. And once again, the bullpen blows a lead and they lose Friday. And now you go to Saturday, basically everybody's tired. I mean, you were looking at a rested Jack Flaherty behind John Means. And you were worried that no one else besides Flaherty in that bullpen was going to be good to go. So what do you need out of that? You need a long start. And that is what Means gave them. Seven and a third innings, one run on one hit. He struck out four. He walked one. He hit a batter. Gave up a home run as his only hit. A solo homer with two outs in the seventh. Hit by Andres Jimenez, which broke up the no-hitter. Got Cleveland on the board. Made it a two-to-one game. But he threw 96 pitches, which is a season high among both his major league and minor league rehab starts. And he only allowed four hard-hit balls. Of course, one of them was the home run hit by Andres Jimenez, but it was, again, soft contact. And listen, John Means, you know, it wasn't a crazy strikeout game, just four Ks. He wasn't missing a whole lot of bats, just six swings and misses on 47 swings by Guardians hitters. But he basically threw his bread and butter. Of 96 pitches, it was 51 four-seamers, which he was basically 92 to 93, pretty normal for John Means. And then 28 change-ups, that is his go-to pitch against the right-handers. Now, there's a good chunk of lefties in the Guardians' order, and he threw 10 sliders and 7 curveballs, mixed them in there as well, but those pitches weren't super effective. It was the change-up and the fastball. They fouled them off, they fouled them off. The fastball was all around the strike zone. The change-up was in the zone when he needed it to be. He can still be better than this, which is wild to say, because I think he can get more whiffs. He can miss more bats than he did because he didn't do a lot of that. But he took a no-hitter into the seventh inning in this game when the Orioles needed it most. And really for John Means, he's not a big strikeout pitcher, right? He's not a guy you're expecting 10 Ks out there every time he goes out. But what he did was huge. And I think, I mean, everyone agrees with me, he's pretty much cemented himself unless his final start is an absolute blow-up. He cemented himself a spot in the postseason rotation for the Orioles right now. And that is huge to get him back in mid-September from Tommy John surgery and feel like you can rely on him. And I get it, right? The Cleveland offense is not very good. It's the worst offense of the three by far that he's faced. The Cardinals and the Astros have much better hitters. So it makes sense that he would have his best start of the three against Cleveland. But when you take a no-hitter into the seventh with what it feels like the division on the line, I don't care how bad the other order is. That is just different. 
Dan is built different. He had, a, had the dog in him on Saturday night. Means was just awesome around the strike zone. And what I think was the best part was after he gives up the no-hitter, right? Two outs in the sixth or in the seventh. Jimenez hits the homer. Immediately next pitch, throws a great changeup, gets a pop out to end the inning. Now he's at 90 pitches, and Brandon Hyde gives him one more shot with the lefty that was leading off Jose Tena in the bottom of the eighth. Means goes out there. Should have gotten a called strike three. For some reason, Brian Onora, who had a horrendous day behind the plate, didn't call it. Very next pitch, he gets Tana to ground out. Hyde comes and gets him seven and a third of just miraculous baseball from John Means. Just what the doctor ordered for the O's. And the second thing you need to know from Saturday's 2-1 to win is that because Means got the Orioles 22 of the 27 outs, you didn't have a rested bullpen, right? Because no matter how long John Means pitches, if you had to go to relievers, they were going to be somewhat tired. But when you only need five outs from your bullpen, like the Orioles needed Saturday, instead of, well, I don't know, let's see, 17 outs that they asked them to get in Friday night's loss, things become a lot easier. And you can go to the guys who are your best relievers and that are somewhat rested. And the O's went to Yenier Cano with nobody on in the eighth inning in a 2-1 game. He retires both hitters he faces, gets a strikeout, throws only six pitches. His night is over, and Brandon Hyde goes to CNL Perez in a 2-1 game in the bottom of the ninth inning. Now, it made sense to bring Perez in in that spot because they were at the top of the order with all the lefties there. It was due up. Steven Kwan, the lefty, Ramirez, the switch hitter, and then Josh Naylor, the lefty. So you're going for the matchups from Perez. And he gets it done. Yeah, he did not get a strikeout, but a 1-2-3 inning versus the top of the Guardians order on just 13 pitches to lock down the save. Your bullpen looks very different when it just gets a little rest, less is expected of it, and you get seven and a third from a starting pitcher. Third thing you need to know from Saturday's win is that Anthony Santander against his old organization, the organization that signed him out of Venezuela, he provided all the offense in this game for the Orioles. Santander in this one goes three for five with a single, a double, and two RBIs in this game, hitting out of the three spot for the Orioles. Had an RBI double in the first inning against Cal Quantrill, the Guardian starter, when it looked like the O's were going to jump all over Quantrill in that one. Only ended up with a one run in the first. They had chances to do more. But then Santander delivered in the sixth off of Xavier Curry out of the bullpen. An RBI single back up the middle made it 2-0. And his hits were huge. He was huge all series. Santander in the four-game series went 6-for-17 with two doubles, four singles, and seven RBIs in the four-game set for the O's. Had 12 RBIs this season in the two series against the Guardians, his old ball club. Really good to see Santander doing what he was doing after a very eventful and kind of tough defensive uh, outing on Friday night in the loss. Fourth thing you need to know from this one on Saturday is that despite Santander coming through, the rest of the offense just did not capitalize pretty much at all in this game for the Orioles. They were just two for eight with runners in scoring position. Both hits came from Santander. Both of them drove in runs. Otherwise, they didn't do much. Again, they had a chance to really put up a crooked number in the first inning. Only came away with one against Quantrill. Quantrill gave up five hits and walked four batters in four innings and somehow escaped with only one run allowed. That was not good. The Orioles loaded the bases. They had multiple runners on each of those first four innings. Just could not capitalize. And that was a little concerning because that's been a little bit of an issue lately for the Orioles. It was lucky they did enough to get the win, but 
you got to put those spots away, and they just did not do it in that one. But the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 2-1 to win on Saturday is that really it was the two catchers besides Santander who swung it well and, and really played well. I mean, James McCann caught this game, Adley Rutschman DHing. McCann did a great job catching John Means in this one, but also was great at the plate, two for four with a couple of singles, scored the Orioles' second run on the Santander RBI single in the sixth inning. Adley Rutschman also reached base three times. He was the only one other than Santander to do so. Two for four with a walk and a couple of singles for Rutschman, DHing in that game. And it was really huge for Rutschman because he also came through on Sunday. Adley was two for three with a couple of doubles, a couple of walks, and an RBI in the win Sunday that we'll get to. But Adley now after Sunday as well is on an eight-game hitting streak. Adley Rutschman at the end of the season is really heating up, and it has been huge for the Orioles' offense. In this eight-game hitting streak for Adley Rutschman, he is 14 for 31. That is a 452 batting average with seven doubles, a homer, six RBIs, and five walks to just four strikeouts in that eight-game stretch for Adley. He's been huge. He's had to catch a lot in that stretch as well, but it was good to see McCann catch Saturday night just to get Rutschman off his feet for a bit. And the Orioles came away with the huge 2-1 to win. They snapped that little tiny three-game skid and got a W. And they thought they were going to get a little further away from the Rays on Saturday as well, but Saturday was when the Rays scored two in the ninth against Jordan Romano to walk it off against the Blue Jays and keep it at a one and a half game lead for the Orioles. But then the Rays lost on Sunday, losing nine to five. Blue Jays offense jumped all over them, and the Orioles really had a chance to put some separation between them and Tampa Bay. And on Sunday, that is exactly what they did. And I'll tell you how they did it coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by DoorDash. Are you up in the morning and missing the syrup you realized the last second for your pancakes or you ran out of your favorite coffee creamer? Well, with DoorDash grocery delivery, you can get what you want right when you need it. We know you've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and I know I have, but now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. And you'll get exactly what you order, or DoorDash will make it right. And if you want even more value, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. So get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal. And zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONMLB. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONMLB for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. So the Orioles got that gigantic win, 2-1 to over the Guardians on Saturday to once again avoid being swept. You just do not sweep the Orioles. But then they were looking for the big one, trying to get the series split on Sunday and trying to gain a game on the Rays, who lost to the Blue Jays 9-5. to Again, shout-out to Toronto's offense. Shout-out to Toronto in general. Backs against the wall, takes 2 out of 3 in Tampa. Thank you for that. But then we turn to the Orioles, who could have pushed further ahead in the division and that's exactly what they did. With a 5-1 to win over the Guardians Sunday, they are now up two and a half games, and the magic number is just three for the Orioles to clinch the AL East. How do they do it? 
I'll get you to the five things you need to know. And the first thing you need to know is just like John Means pitched deep into the game and saved the bullpen on Saturday night, Kyle Gibson did the exact same thing on Sunday. Now, he recorded one less out than Means, Means who went seven and a third. Gibson did pitch into the eighth, but gave up a leadoff double and came out. So he only pitched seven, but still. Seven innings of one run ball for Kyle Gibson. Five hits, four strikeouts, just one walk for the 35-year-old righty. 95 pitches thrown. He did allow seven hard hit balls. The Guardians squared him up just a little bit more than they did John Means. But Gibson was really good in this one. And, and it was similar to Means, right? Just eight whiffs on 40 swings. Not like he had a huge strikeout day. Was a huge swing and miss pitcher in this one. But he did just the perfect Kyle Gibson. It's the kitchen sink approach. He's throwing six different pitches, all of them at least eight times. Four seam fastball, he threw 25 of them, most used pitch. Curveball, he threw eight of them, least used pitch. Everything else, sweeper, sinker, changeup, cutter, all in between in terms of usage. Once again, the sweeper was the swing and miss pitch, four whiffs on nine swings for Kyle Gibson. But he did what he does best, which is mix his pitches. You never know what he's going to throw in whatever count and also hit the corners. When Kyle Gibson, who is no longer a power pitcher, he was when he was with the Twins, when he was much younger. He doesn't have that 95-97 with the four-seam fastball. He's now 91-93 to with that pitch at times. But when he can hit the corners, mix speeds, throw six different offerings that are all at least solid, and a sweeper, which I think is probably the best sweeper on the Orioles staff and one of the best pitches that any of the Orioles starters have, when he can throw all of that at you, he becomes deceptive. And as long as he's not in the middle of the plate, when he's in the middle of the plate or he's walking a lot of guys, it becomes an issue. But when he offers one walk in seven plus innings and stays on the corners, he's really hard to hit. And that is exactly what Gibson did in this game. Just a huge moment for the Orioles veteran when they needed it most. Back-to-back seven plus inning starts, just incredible and perfect timing for the Orioles to get that and I'm not going to be the one who says, I told you so. At least not at this point. We haven't seen a playoff game happen yet. But if you're out there, are you really telling me right now that if it's a four-game or a four-man playoff rotation, it's not Rodriguez, Bradish, Gibson, and Means in some order, which includes Kyle Gibson, which I got attacked for saying Kyle Gibson should be in the playoff rotation a couple of weeks ago. He's uh, had a sub-3 ERA in September now. That has been huge for the Orioles. He's pitching deep in the games, showing the veteran presence, did it again Sunday. Second thing you need to know from that Sunday win, once again, a perfect bullpen. It's crazy how that happens, that the Orioles, even without Felix Bautista, who did throw some live BP over the weekend, so let's keep an eye on that, but even without him, they still have a good bullpen as long as they can just catch their breath. You know, I tweeted on Friday, after the walk-off loss, it just felt like the Orioles pitching staff was drowning. I felt like the starters just could not pick up a tired bullpen. They couldn't pitch deep into games. You know, you only got five innings from Grayson on Thursday because of the high pitch count. You only got three and a third from Dean Kramer on Friday because he just couldn't get anybody out once again here in September. And then on the flip side, when the starters at least were solid enough even with Grayson, you know, keeping them in the game through five innings, the bullpen just couldn't hold up. And some of that was because they were tired, but it was just a back and forth of nobody picking each other up. And then you had the defense, which was really bad on Friday and Friday night's loss as well. That wasn't helping. And it just felt like they were drowning. And what I said was, you basically have a couple of things you can do. A is just absolutely 
annihilate a team offensively. B is have an incredible starting pitching performance. And C is get an off day. Well, they had to wait till Monday for the off day. They only scored seven runs in the two wins Saturday, Sunday, and the offense kind of exploded for eight runs Friday, and that didn't work. So what they had to rely on was incredible starting pitching. How about seven and third, one run from Means, seven innings, one run from Gibson? And it reset the bullpen because you only barely used Cano and Perez to get the win Saturday. Everybody else gets a little bit of a break. And then you go into Sunday, Kyle Gibson with a 5-1 lead, gives up a leadoff double in the eighth, Hyde pulls him, goes to Danny Coulomb, 1-2-3 in the eighth with a strikeout, goes to D.L. Hall in the ninth, 1-2-3 with a strikeout, and ends the game. And would you look at that? After the two long starts from Means and Gibson, the bullpen after them in those games, three and two-thirds perfect innings in relief. The relievers retired all 11 batters they faced in the Saturday and Sunday wins. Everybody was saying, no, the bullpen's just bad. You know, rest is an excuse. They don't need an off day. They're just bad. No, no, no. If you give them a little rest, they've got some good relievers in this bullpen. And look what happened. Even before the off day, they got just enough rest, and they go three and two-thirds perfect. Imagine what they're going to be now after this off day on Monday with the season on the line. I'm going to trust them even more once again. Third thing you need to know from the 5-1 to win on Sunday is that the Orioles' offense, I'll say mostly made Tristan McKenzie, the guardian starter, pay for just the complete lack of command he had in this game. Now, they got three runs, right? That's pretty solid. But McKenzie went an inning and two-thirds, one hit, three runs, six walks, and no strikeouts. Walked a guy in the first. They didn't score off him. Walked a bunch of guys in the second. Orioles got a big hit, Jordan Westberg with an RBI double, Santander drew a bases loaded walk, but they could have broken through a lot more and they did not on Sunday. However, getting the big inning with the three runs, even though they probably should have scored a lot more with, again, McKenzie recording five outs and walking six batters, you feel like you should get more out of that. But even the three was nice for the O's offense that really didn't do much of anything the day before on Saturday. Now, the fourth thing you need to know from the Sunday win Aaron Hicks just continues to be a valuable veteran for this Orioles side. There's no other way around it. He went 0 for 2, but did draw a couple of walks as he got the start Saturday. And then on Sunday, wasn't even in the starting lineup. Heston Kerstad out there as the starting DH. He ended up with a strikeout and a walk in his two plate appearances. And then when the Guardians went to Sam Henches as their third pitcher of the game after McKenzie, and then they got two innings from Eli Morgan, when the lefty Henches came out there and the lefty Kerstad do up, Brandon Hyde, wanting to protect Kerstad from left-handed pitchers early in his career, went to Aaron Hicks off the bench. And Hicks delivered in this one. Went one for two with a single and a walk and a strikeout in his three plate appearances. But Aaron Hicks, since returning off the injured list at the beginning of September with that back issue that was kind of his second IL stint with the Orioles, in his 68 plate appearances since returning off the IL, Hicks is hitting 364 with a 485 on base and a 473 slugging. He's got three doubles. He's got a homer. He's got 11 RPIs. He's got a 958 OPS. And he's got 13 walks to just 11 strikeouts and is also a perfect three for three stealing bases. Now, at times he hasn't played the best defensive outfield, but he's still been good enough out there. And that combination has allowed him to be a huge veteran presence for the Orioles. When you combine that with the fact that He is known to be like one of the big-time leaders in this clubhouse. The young guys love him. Brandon Hyde loves him. He seems to be a great addition for this Orioles team. 
And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 5-1 to win over the Guardians to get that series split on Sunday is that they got a lot more production from the bottom of the lineup. 7-8-9 in the order was Cedric Mullins, Jordan Westberg, and Jorge Mateo in this game. And those three combined to go 4-11 for with two doubles and two RBIs. Mentioned Westberg had the RBI double to put the Orioles on the board. Mullins had an RBI single later in the game. Jorge Mateo had an RBI ground out. He also had two hits with a single and a double. Got to feel, I mean, great for Jorge Mateo that he's starting to swing the bat a little bit better. Did get picked off once in this game, but he had three hard-hit balls. And that's what has made this team, this Orioles team, just so dominant and so frustrating for other teams all year is that the offense one through nine can get it done. And it really is one of the things that's going to make them dangerous in the postseason because, you know, Gunnar Henderson's turning into a star. Natalie Rutschman's been great, but this offense doesn't necessarily have, like, the big star power that the Braves have, but also they don't even have like the big time stars that have most of their production at the top of the order. They get it one through nine. They really get it one through 13 or one through 14, depending on how many hitters they have on the roster. And that has been what's made them a team that right now is on the cusp of clinching an AL East title in 2023, just two years after they had the worst record in all of baseball. Now they're close to clinching but they haven't done it quite yet. What is up next for the Orioles? What do they have coming up this week? What are they looking at pitching-wise? How can they clinch, and when can they clinch this title? We'll talk about that to finish off the pod coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Sleeper. The MLB playoffs are around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to multiply your money by 100 on Daily Fantasy Baseball. Baseball's never been more exciting than it is now with studs like Acuna, Betts, Otani, and John Means. Pick more or less on stats for these stars like homers, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to a 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right and you could win big. Now, what I like about the Sleeper app is that it's so easy to use. Now, I'm always picking Orioles. I'm always taking Rutschman and Henderson and Ryan O'Hearn to go over their hits total, but... The entries are super easy to make. I mean, if you know who you're going to pick, it takes you like five seconds. But even if you don't, you go on the app, entries can be made in under a minute. So use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Check out Sleeper today. So the Orioles, after dropping the first two games of this series in Cleveland were able to win the final two Saturday and Sunday and come through with the four-game split. And as I mentioned, with the help from the Blue Jays, who took two of three at the trap against the Rays this weekend, the Orioles are now in prime position to win the AL East this week for the first time since 2014. Orioles' lead is now two and a half games over the Rays. Orioles have six games this week. The Rays have five. So after Thursday, things will even up game-wise. But the important number, really more important than the game's lead in the division, is the magic number. That is right now three. That means any combination of Orioles wins and Rays losses this week, the final week of the regular season, that evens or adds up to three, means the Orioles win the AL East. And when you've got six games remaining and your magic number is three, that is a really, really good spot to be in. This puts it into perspective even better. If, in the final six games, the Orioles go 6-0, 5-1, 4-2, or even 3-3, they will win the division no matter what. 
There is nothing the Rays can do with the Orioles at any of those records to catch them. That is how great it is to have the tiebreaker and have the lead that they do right now. Because remember, the Orioles won the season series over Tampa, which means if the two teams finish with the same record at the end of the regular season, there's no more game 163s. The tiebreaker is head-to-head record. The O's went 8-5 and five against Tampa this year, and they would win the division. So again, 3-3, three and 4-2, three, and 5-1, and 6-0, and oh, you win the division. Now what's coming up for the Orioles? Well, they've got an off day today. Here on Monday, the Rays and the Orioles are both off on Monday. Finally, an off day for the O's. After 17 consecutive days with a game, without an off day for the Orioles, they mercifully get one here on Monday when they absolutely needed it. And Brandon Hyde's talked about how this has been bad scheduling. We've talked about it here as well. This is just bad scheduling by MLB. A team should not have to go 17 days in a row right at the end of the season. It's just brutal. The Orioles survived it, went 4-3 and three on that road trip, still in first place in the AL East and in a good spot to clinch the division. Now, first of all, we just look at the O schedule, right? After the off day Monday, two at home against the Washington Nationals, who have been a little scrappy but have not been a very good baseball team all year. O's swept the Nats in two games in D.C. way back early in the season. And then it's four games Thursday through Sunday at home against the Red Sox. Now, this is a Red Sox team that recently was officially eliminated from playoff contention, so they're not really playing for anything anymore. Red Sox team that the Orioles have played some absolutely wild games against this year. The O's are 5-4 and four in the previous nine matchups against Boston this season. They got a great offense. They got bad pitching. It's always high-scoring affairs when these two teams match up. So that's what the O's have left. 3-3, and 4-2, and 5-1, or 6-0 and oh, wins you the division no matter what. Now, even if you go 2-4, and 1-5, or 0-6, oh, you can still win the division. Let's put it this way. If the Orioles go 2-4 and four down the stretch, the Rays would have to go an unbeaten 5-0. and oh. So even if the O's go 2-4, and four, as long as the Rays lose one game, the O's are in. That's how good a spot they are in. At the moment, the Rays on their schedule after the off day today, they have two in Boston against the Red Sox Tuesday and Wednesday. The Rays then get another off day Thursday, and then they travel north of the border to Toronto to take on the Blue Jays for a three game series Friday through Sunday to end the season. The Jays are going to be playing for everything with their wildcard lives most likely on the line going into that series. And it does feel like right now, advantage Orioles, right? Not only do they have all those numbers backing them up. They've got a rested bullpen. Remember, after basically everybody was pitching every day, it seemed, for a while last week, they only used Cano and Perez Saturday. They only used Coulomb and Hall on Sunday. You have a very fully rested Jack Flaherty to be a long man whenever you want. You could even start him in a game later this week if you kind of clinch and you don't want to use all your other starters. Also, you got Tyler Wells back. Orioles recalled him. On Friday, he gave them a really strong inning and two-thirds out of the bullpen when he came in in the fourth to relieve Dean Kramer. That was a really good sign for Tyler Wells, so they have that in the bullpen as well. Mike Bauman was optioned to make room for Wells. But now they're at the point where the bullpen is fully rested. I mean, every single reliever out there, all nine of them, will be available for Tuesday night's game against the Nats. They are back in a good spot here. You're looking at the rotation It'll most likely be Kyle Bradish Tuesday against the Nationals, Grayson Rodriguez Wednesday, and then it would line up for Kramer Thursday, Means Friday, Grayson Saturday, and then Bradish again Sunday if they needed it. Now, the Orioles cannot clinch on Tuesday, but they can clinch on Wednesday. If either the Orioles win on Tuesday or the Rays lose, the O's will have a chance to clinch on Wednesday. 
If both the Orioles win and the Rays lose on Tuesday night, the Orioles' magic number will be one on Wednesday, which means it's just win and clinch Wednesday night. So start thinking about it. If you're trying to kind of pinpoint what game to go to, it kind of feels like Thursday, the opener against the Red Sox, would be maybe your best bet to try and see the clinchments at Oriole Park. We don't want to count our chickens just yet. There are still things to do. Magic number is still three. It's not zero. But the O's are in a fantastic place to win this division heading into this week. And I'll have all the coverage here on the podcast this week covering this O's team as they hunt down that division title. They are oh so close, and hopefully they can do it, maybe even in this quick series against the Nats. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to the pod wherever you listen. Like, subscribe, and comment to the Locked on Orioles YouTube page as well. Also, the O's don't play today, right? It's their final off day of the year after 17 straight days of games. I'm going to do a little final week of the season mailbag coming up on tomorrow's episode because of that. So you can get your mailbag questions in on Twitter at LockedOnOrioles. You can send them there. You can email me, LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. Or you can leave a mailbag question right here in the YouTube comments of today's episode. And I will get to those questions on tomorrow's mailbag episode and then get you ready for game one of the beltway battle between the orioles and the nationals but until then i'm connor newcomb and this has been the locked on orioles podcast part of the locked on podcast Network. your team every day